Welcome to the Marketing Mastermind, a podcast designed to elevate your entrepreneurial mindset and help you take your business to the next level through digital marketing. Join your host, agency owner, Hillary Russell, as she interviews experts from around the world, dives into business success secrets, and gives tactical mindset training to help you elevate all areas of your life and business. Ready? Let's dive in to another Marketing Mastermind episode. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Marketing Mastermind. Today, we're going to be talking about something that we hear very often and very frequently in a lot of uh, personal development, professional development seminars. I can say for every single one that I've been to, we hear the, you know, the phrase of you are the average of the, the five people you spend your time with. Right. And I have a little bit of a different perspective for you on this today. And I have brought in the expert and author of a book on this topic, actually. Uh, his name is Patrick Kilner. And Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure, Hillary. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, for our listeners, just to give you guys a little bit of background, Patrick has written, um, he's the author of the book, Find Your Six. And this is a number one new release on Amazon. Pat is also a speaker. He's a businessman. He's created, led three different companies and um, has had some experience in the real estate space and lots of experience in helping entrepreneurs and professionals to really elevate their network, right? To elevate these different areas of, of influence, right? Redefining your influence even. So I'm super excited about this conversation. Um, Pat, this is something that I would say, you know, those entrepreneurs that I have the privilege and opportunity of working with, of coaching, both within, you know, Entre Institute and also within my own agency, um, this is a very common topic that comes up because I think that, um, you know, quite frankly, it can be almost intimidating to feel that you need to network and find these different areas um, of individuals to connect and network with, but there's also so much power behind it. So before we dive in, uh, tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of window into who Pat is. Give us the, the background of how you came to writing a book around finding your six. Well, um, I'm really glad you started actually where you did, Hillary, with the average of the five people. You know, th that's often attributed to Jim Rohn. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and and I, so props to him because I th I think what what he put in our minds twenty plus years ago was this idea that you know who you hang out with matters a lot. I mean, it's just that simple, whether it's your physical life or your entrepreneurial life, your business life, um, whether, whether you're going on a spiritual journey, what, you know, you want to, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever you want to conquer, it's not about a what mm -hmm. it's not about, Hey, a new tech. It's not about even reading that book. It's about the people you surround yourself with. And if you find the right who, that's going to accelerate you on that path, right? This is why the gym memberships fails because you don't have the right who. Yeah, it's not that the gym failed you, so you don't have the people accompanying you. So I'm really glad you started there. As I did research for this project, 
Um, I, I sat down with the most experienced people I could possibly find across all sorts of industries, 60, 70 personal interviews, you know, for hours at a time. And my biggest question to them was, who are the people who have been most impactful for you in, in having the success that you've had? Hmm. And most of these people were at the end of their careers. And it was a really interesting discovery for me because in some ways it was a reflection for me as well. Uh, everybody who I spoke to spoke about just a handful of really impactful relationships that they had had. You know, we can think about those as mentors, right? If you're just starting out into business and you want to accelerate really fast, by the way, use this idea behind Find Your Six as a mentorship idea as well. That's an amazing thing, right? We all need those people no matter where we are in our career. Mm -hmm. So you can absolutely use this. This is not just sort of a sales and marketing book. This is a book about mentorship if you look sort of below the surface on it. Um, but what was really amazing is that none of them identified hundreds of people. They all identified, and interestingly, the average was not five, it was, it was actually six over 70 interviews. And, and so, and I remember just thinking, gosh, this is truly amazing. So I, I, I would finish, you know, I'd, I'd be there with a pen and pad and we'd be done. And I'd say, do you have any idea how many people that you just referenced? And they go, no, I have no idea. We've been talking for a couple hours. I said, <laughs> six. And I said, do you know how many people most people have? And and it was, it was all, almost always six. So it was really fascinating just to sort of do the research and, and get in there with people who had had amazing careers and, and led tremendous companies. And, uh, and, you know, frankly, many of whom I just, it was green with envy of, of what they'd been able to achieve. So, um, but to get to your, to, to the question of, of my path, I, about 20 years ago, finished grad school and got into real estate. And um, so fast forward, you know, when I first got into the business, like anybody brand new, I'm, I'm looking for all of the ways that I'm supposed to generate leads, right? Like if you don't have leads, you're dead, right? So you know that. And so I start at everything I can read, everything I can find, every conference I can attend. And it was all the same stuff across every industry. You know, I, friends in the financial planning industry, right? Um, financial, all financial services, um, legal, everybody was insistent on pounding the phones, scripts, dialogues, right? The, the, all of those things, knocking doors, depending on what industry you were, whether figuratively or actually. Um, I can't tell you how many buildings I kicked out of, you know, doing commercial real estate, because apparently that's trespassing. Who knew? Right. <laughs> and, and so you, I sort of did all of that geographic farming, mailing stuff to people's houses, all sorts of sort of the, all the tricks of the trade that had been passed down. And what I found is that pound for pound, those activities and hour for hour, those activities were the activities that, uh, that gave me the least amount of revenue on a monthly and annual basis versus some of the key relationships that I, that I was very fortunate enough to, to, to have very accidentally, really early in my career. And once I realized that the ROI on those types of relationships were, was what I was looking for, mm -hmm. I started aggressively going after those. And that's really, I mean, fast forward, that's really what the book is about. 
what's been really amazing about that is trust is this transferable asset. And so when you have a lot of very shallow relationships, when you spend most of your time doing sort of the speed dating networking that is proposed, right? Like how many, how many people can I go and hand business cards out to at this event, right? Um, that by the way, I didn't, I didn't invite the people. They don't know me. I don't know what's being served. I don't know who I'm sitting at the, with the table. I'm going to show up to this thing and it's just going to be, surely there's going to be someone here who's going to change my life. I'm going to show up to this thing, right? <laughs> right. That is not what I propose here. So that, that's one form of networking. And that was the form of networking that, I, that was proposed to me, right? Chambers of commerce, all this. And all that stuff can produce a trickle of business. And I did so much of it, it produced enough to actually win me awards with brokerages. Mm-hmm. But it didn't, it didn't withstand the test of time. What was also interesting is when 2008, 2009 hit, the residential side of things on, in real estate, all of the people I knew in the office, people have been doing this for 20 plus years, who were only in the sort of what I, what I now characterize in the book as sort of a lead generation mindset mm-hmm. versus a deeply relational mindset. Almost all of them took an early retirement because all of a sudden the ROI on their time became even worse and it just wasn't worth it. And so, hey, when, when difficult things happen, right? Disruption happens in markets. And if what I realized in that is that the people that you surround yourself aren't just the people who you become, but they also define whether or not you're going to survive your next disruption. And that's why I'm so passionate about finding the right six, because those right six make you disruption proof. Interesting. Hmm. That is extremely interesting because I think that you touched on a piece here that I think has become a very popular buzzword right now in, you know, marketing and really any industry, and that's becoming recession proof. Mm. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yep. And uh, we've seen just another form of disruption. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We've seen in the last couple of years, businesses have almost been forced to scramble, find new ways to reach their audience, to reach their, uh, you know, and connect with their clients and to connect with um, prospective leads even. And so that's a really interesting way that you positioned that. Um, Okay. So I'm curious, what, what is so important about the six why why the six well frankly it's just it's the research right the research kind of led me to this but let's think about this i mean uh you know if you had you're a small business owner sure let's say you know um we were talking about financial advisors earlier on so you're a financial advisor um there's there's a few ways you can do this you can go in and learn all the scripts and dialogues and pound the phones and and make your 200, 300 calls a day, auto dialer, right? And that, that's, that's just mm-hmm. churning out leads for you. And, and you may get some appointments and, and that'll be great. And you could do that. My question to you is, how many years are you excited about doing that? Do you see that as a transferable skill for your team long-term as well? And are those relationships, those cold relationships, the types of relationships that if you could curate the perfect relationship that you would have, or are you just taking the low hanging fruit, right? So it's one way to think about it. 
So why are six? Now let's talk about a different type of, of thing. Let's say you have a great business to business relationship with someone in a related field. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it is somebody in commercial real estate, for example, who deals with entrepreneurs who have their own businesses, who have employees who need 401ks, all sorts of other things, right? And that person and you just connect. You're able to add value to them because of your financial knowledge, because of the connections you're able to put in front of them, because of maybe sometimes being able to send them a, a, a client. Um, maybe, maybe you've really invested into that relationship. And that person on an annual basis sends you five to 10 like slam dunk ideal clients. How many of those people do you need? If you had six of those people and it was five to 10 slam dunk clients, I mean, when you go in and talk to these people, because that person who thinks the world of you and trusts you implicitly tells their friend that you should go talk to Hillary because Mm -hmm. she's the best thing since sliced bread in the financial industry. How, how many of those people do you need? Most financial advisors don't need more than six people who do that for them, right? Who are, who are raving fans for them. But those, those are what I call top of the pyramid people for you, right? They're not at the base of the pyramid. The base of the pyramid is where everybody else lives, everybody you know, right? So the other, the other methodology when you come into a business is like, tell all your friends and family that you're in this. Surely they trust you. Yeah, they trust you, but not as a financial advisor yet because they know you're new. Right. right. They trust you, but not as a great marketing person because they know that you're cutting your teeth in a new industry. So why? Look, eventually they'll work with you. But I never, especially when I was earlier in my business, I couldn't stand when I walked into somebody's house or into somebody's commercial property. And I felt as though they, they were doing me a favor. I wanted to be there because I was darn good at what I did because I was going to work my tail off for you, right? right. Um, and you want to be referred because of because you're awesome at what you do, not because hey, I did this person a favor, mm-hmm. right? That's that's not a referral type of relationship that you're building there. So, how many do you need? It, you can back into it. It's if I have six. Frankly, if 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 every person in the real estate side had six really awesome people, we would not have people churn through this industry like, like they do. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and we can look at all industries and just go, yeah, it's like a one out of 10 actually survive past five years in so many cases, right? Why do 50% of businesses fail within the first three years? It's because they don't, they don't, they don't have their six, but we blame it on the market disruption, the dollar, whatever it is, right? But the reality is if you had those people in your life um, who weren't just, didn't just care about you, but also had the influence mm-hmm. to impact your, your business, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of amazing um, what you can do. I'd say that the other reason is because businesses that develop this type of, of influencer paradigm actually scale. So if you don't want to be the person pounding the phones every day for the rest of your life, and you want a scalable methodology, because trust is transferable, 
you can actually bring, bring other great people into your organization mm-hmm. and hand off relationships to them. And then you'll find another six, which is a really, really cool thing um, that I've been very fortunate to be able to do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I want to maybe provide a little bit more clarity around that. What do you mean by trust is transferable? I'll give you an example. Um, I've got a friend who um, for years worked in the in, in um, legal services. So this is before legal, you know, before uh, dossiers, you know, weren't, were transferred electronically, right? So um, he did all the document storage, all the printing, all this stuff for court cases and that sort of stuff, right? And he was probably the number one person in the DC area at what he did. And he led a, a really big team of people before all of this um, got uh, went online. And the company still exists. And, um, and he's, he's now since retired out of that. But one thing that was really interesting that he told me, he said, Pat, um, I, my biggest client I landed because I won over the lady at the front desk who had been there for 30 years. And what was interesting about her is that she, she, she we, we happened to, to build this kind of fun relationship and I, I figured out kind of what she needed. And in any event, she knew where all the partners were at any point if they were having marital problems, if they, what they had for lunch that day and could get you the appointment with the partner and the par- partner would take it because she set it up mm-hmm. because she had that type of trust with the partner. And so that one person opened for him the biggest account that he had in his city, which is amazing, right? So that's what I mean when that's a sort of a, a mini example, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of somebody who um, I oftentimes say in organizations, you're looking for people who, who have an ownership mindset. She didn't own the company. She wasn't a partner, but she owned her role and, and everybody trusted her as a result of that. Right. And she had been there for a long time. So there's those three elements that I, I talk, talk about this in the book. Deep trust is founded on longevity and an ownership mindset. And if, you're, if you can find people who have those three things, it's game over. The other thing that I found for me is that people who are in growth phases of their company, if you're trying to grow your company and people that you're connecting with at this level, you're looking for those, those three things. If they also are in a growth phase, it's dynamite. It's, mm. it's really cool. If you're trying to network with people who've already made it in their own minds, they're coasting. Sure. And, and so they're, when you send them an opportunity to connect with somebody or, or do business, um, or even a book. It's like, yeah, it's really nice, but I've kind of read all the books. I've got all the connections. I don't need it. People in growth phase is a totally different place. So that's how trust really does transfer. Um, you know, another is I had a, a great friend who um, I learned this from early. He, um, I, I respected him. I, I was a young professional. I sat down with him and said, listen, uh, you know, I can see there's a big disruption coming for my industry. You've, you've survived all sorts of stuff. You've been in business for 40 years, grown an amazing company. How have you done it? And, um, and so I just took copious notes and, and he you know, was graciously um, generous with, with his wisdom. At the end of the conversation, he said, you know, Pat, you're going to do really well at real estate. I was like, we haven't talked about real estate the whole time. But he said, you know, I know that it's because you've asked the right questions. You've been asking really, really great questions. 
um, he said, I want you to meet three of my friends. And then he connected me with three other business owners, two of whom ended up doing business with me. But he didn't set it up, hey, you've got to talk to Pat so you can do real estate business. You don't talk to Pat because he's a great professional. I see big things in him. I think you all are going to have an amazing conversation. Boom. And so that, that was a great connection. But because he put his name to me, I was introduced to really influential people. And so trust is transferable in that way. So people say to me, well, I'm new in a city. I don't know anybody. You don't need to know a ton of people Yeah. because trust is transferable. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that um, <clears throat> that's that's helpful too in the sense that I think that individuals, especially when you're in the early stages of starting a business, I would say that the majority of concern comes from where are leads going to come from, right? Yeah. How am I going to get leads? How am I going to get these things coming in? And especially in our day-to-day, we're about convenience, right? About okay. um, quick turnaround times and right. immediate gratification. Exactly, yep. right. Um, and so that being said, I think that oftentimes as business owners looking at lead generation strategies, you think of, well, you know, run ads, run, you know, these different pieces. And there's there's value behind those, but I love this concept because honestly, it's working smarter, not harder. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We have a mantra in my firm that I that I actually put into the book. And and it's, you know, spend your professional time, effort, and money mm -hmm. with the most influential people when you walk out that door or put on your headset and go to work, right? In your home office. So that you can spend your time, effort, and money in your personal life with the people most important to you, right? So it's efficiency of movement. It's not about doing more work or that work paying off later. Right. It's about being a magnet to business versus chasing business constantly. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, that's a beautiful concept too, because honestly, it's kind of like the law of attraction in a sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Putting yourself in those opportunities. Right. Well, and, and frankly, unless you are right, it kind of goes back to the Jim Rohn idea. Unless right. you, if you are becoming the people that you hang out with and mm -hmm. I call them influencers in the book, if you become an influencer, you don't know influencers who want for business in your community. They just, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. They're indispensably important to the success of other people around them. And they look like they're having a blast at it all of the time. You're like, what, what must that look like? That's so cool. And, <laughs> and we think they paid their dues by doing the, all of these calls and you know, all of the, giving people things that they don't really need so that they don't forget my name. No, that's not what they did. That's not, that's not what my research told me. And that's certainly not what allowed me to get through recessions and, and disruptions um, in, in my industries. So I, I can't encourage people enough that this is actually not the slow path. This is the fast path. And, you know, my question to, as I, as I learned about these six over the course of an entire career, the question I asked is, what if you could find your six in six months or a year? Mm 
Mm. And so there's a question of methodology there. There's a qu- like if you have a system for it, these people all did it accidentally. What if I could right. purposely, non-accidentally go and find my six? And that's what that, the second part of my book is all about giving you a system to go find your six. So you can do it fast. I'm impatient. I want this to happen tomorrow. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was going to ask a little bit if you wouldn't mind sharing, because I think that's the next natural question, right? That I have and that I'm sure our listeners have is how do I find my six? Yeah. Uh, so there's, uh, we can get very, very granular here, but uh, I'll give you sort of broader strokes. Um, later on, by the way, on my website, you know, I've got a challenge that people can do. And, and I walk you through some of this, even without re- reading the book, like you want to read the book. Awesome. I give away a lot here. Um, the book is a really good guide. Um, and, and I wrote, I wrote it for somebody who can sit on an airplane for three and a half hours and just get through the whole thing and boom, you've got it. But, um, yeah, how do you find him? It's I was I was talking to um, a, a young entrepreneur just yesterday. He was asking the same questions. Where do I find these people? I'm brand new, just got out of school, mm-hmm. but, but his biggest dreams ever. Super smart young guy, and um, but he doesn't know where to start. And I said, Do you think you can? You know, who are all the people that you know currently? And and so make a list of all the people that you know. How many of them have been in their industry for a while or spend a lot of time with their clients per capita? So one of the things that I want to know is if you're spending a lot of time with your clients, you're building a lot of trust. So I'm looking for that. Um, well, I don't know many of those people because I'm, I'm relatively new in town. Okay, but I've got two of those people. Great. So they're, they're on your list. Who of those people would you trust implicitly to ask for advice? I mean, if they give you advice, you would go and, and do it, right? On almost anything. Okay, there's a few more people in there. Who of those people, um, you know, have, uh, you know, have, a, have an approach to work that is not sort of hang it up for the weekend, mm-hmm. right? Sort of a transactional relationship with their work. Gosh, that eliminates about 70% of the people. But there are, there are some people who really, you know, gosh, they show up to work and they don't know anything but just, you know, sort of they bring it home with them. And right. with, as entrepreneurs, that's kind of what you need, whether you're the person at the front desk, right? And that can be a very entrepreneurial space as well. And we want, you know, growing businesses need entrepreneurship at every level of the organization as well. Um, but but those, are, those are some of the ways to think about it. But start with the people that you know. What's really interesting is when you start with those people, okay, well, I don't know enough people. I need to go fill that pot of people. Hey, go and find the young professional network in your area. But when you go to that young professional's network, think about those three things, longevity, Hmm. the type of trust, and the approach to work that people have. And be a sleuth for finding that type of talent. Because you're in the talent game now. That's what I told him. I said, you, you are now in the talent game. You may think that you're starting a marketing company, but you're actually in the talent game that happens to trade marketing services. And, and he got it. And it was, it was you sort of see the, the scales fall off the eyes. Um, and so as you go, you can go to the Chamber of Commerce, but you have to look at people this way. You can go to that BNI group, but you have to look at people this way. Because the majority of those places, right? Again, think about a pyramid. 
Majority of those places have people that are highly transactional, that have sort of a work it mindset to things instead of a, an own it mindset. They, they don't spend much time with the client. They spend less than a day with clients instead of 30 days or more with a client. And so if you're looking at talent through that lens, then you're going to sift through and find the people that you should go spend, spend time with. Right. So that's the first way. So, you know, talent is abundant. Uh, anybody who's hired knows, at least uh, I know, what, ha what happens when you hire out of pain, right? Like you, you hire the first person that you come across because yep. you just need to fill that role. That stinks. And that doesn't typically work out. And if it does, it's, that's really lucky. You're looking for a one in 20 talent here to sit at the top of your pyramid. And internally, we should, sit, we should honor our own businesses this way as well. When I'm looking for internal talent, I need people that are indispensably humble, hungry, willing to put in, you know, put in the time and the work and, and who I think are top, of the t top tier talent, mm -hmm. top shelf talent who think this way, who want to own it. Right. I'm not intimidated by people who want to own my company. That's great. I just have to fire myself and get out of their way. That's great. So that's, that would be the approach is look there because now think about concentric circles, right? You find those people, those people who have typically very high emotional IQ as well will, like my friend, introduce you to your next level of people. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes you have to prompt that. I never left a meeting after that meeting that I, I mentioned to you. I never left a meeting without saying to somebody, you know, knowing what you know about me at this point, who else do you think I should talk to? It wasn't this, hey, do you think you could introduce me to these people over here? Right? Too direct. Give people freedom to think about knowing what you know about me. That's a reflective question. Let them come and save you. Let them come and help you, right? A little bit of old school Sandler for you guys in the financial world, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, let them come and, and help you, right? And hey, knowing what you know about me, who would you talk to mm -hmm. if you were in my shoes? Let them be generous with you, right? And, and that's the difference between a lead gen mindset, which is like, go for the jugular, you know, get them to do what you want to do versus leading people. It's much, it's, you know, there's this great, I think it was Churchill quote of it's much, much easier to lead than to drive, right? People. I don't need to, I don't want to be in the business of driving people. I want to, I want to lead them to where I, where I hope they'll, they'll go. And if I've added enough value in that conversation because of the types of questions I ask all the better. Right. Um, so that's, that's how I look at it. And what's amazing about that is when you ask that type of question, you, you really, you prepare well for your meetings. You're not just having coffee sort of, you know, these are business meetings and you're showing up you with, with very, just like your great, great podcast host, right? With great curated questions that understand what that person has to offer to you and your audience, right? Your clients, man, the conversation gets so much better. True. And they want to, yeah, they want to connect you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point too, that, you know, regardless whether it is a business conversation, a conversation with a mentor or 
really any type of relationship dynamic, it's about asking the right types of questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate too the example that you gave of how to ask for those introductions, because I think that that is a part too that many individuals almost shy away from because you don't want to come off as, you know, self-serving or anything like that. But at the same time, you are trying to, you know, grow your professional network or grow the uh, bottom line for your business even, right? Absolutely. And they can't feel that though. Sure. Right. Like they, people will open doors for you. You have to actually believe that. You actually have to believe that people are, are, are inherently generous if given the opportunity. If you believe that people are simply a means to your success, this does not work. And actually it's a whole lot less fun. And, and that's, you know, in the book, I talk about that and I, and I, I phrase it as the lead gen mindset. Right. What's really wild, as I, as I did the research for this book, it turns out that we didn't actually even write the word lead gen or the, the phrase lead gen or lead generation in, in the world of marketing or sales until the, the year 1976. It oh, wasn't wow. even in what we wrote. So it's a relatively new concept. Right? People have been doing business, trading you know, their, their skills and, and goods for years. But we didn't actually use it. So it's a relatively new thing. And, you know, so post-1976, think about what happens in the financial world. We go like Wolf of Wall Street, right? Selling penny stocks, pound the phones, scripts, dialogues. These are all things that you can teach somebody who doesn't actually know their craft. They just have to know enough to get on the phone and say the right thing. The reason why that becomes disruption, disruptible is because now AI can do it longer and better than you. And it learns faster than you. So you don't actually need the human element anymore. What actually makes you indispensable in your business, disruption proof, if you will, is the right relationships and an excellence at your craft that is really deeply fulfilling as well. Like we, Nobody gets into business like, I can't wait to fake it. Right. I can't wait to fake it till I make it even. No, everybody gets into business like, I want to be really stinking good at what I do. Because we all, we all, Desperately want that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a dad, like, I want my kids to know I'm actually good at what I do. Not that it's just like, hey, dad shows up and fakes it until there's some money comes in the door. Yeah. So it's, that, it's, it's a question of fulfillment as well. And that's why I ask the question to folks can you see yourself doing that lead gen thing that has produced some money for you this year mm-hmm. for the next three to five years and being more excited about doing that at the end of that time frame? And the almost unanimous answer is absolutely not. Yeah. And the, then, then I'll ask, okay, okay, if you have kids, would you teach this to your kids so that they can have a more deeply fulfilling career? And like, of course not. Right? So why are we spending time doing it if that's the case? Right. Yeah, that's such a good point. I I mean, I've, I've spoken with so many. So similarly, you know, I think that successful entrepreneurs have this tendency to search out, research, study the stories, the background of other successful individuals through throughout history. Right. Um, and I would say that that is one of probably the most common attributes of successful people is doing what they like to do, which sounds almost 
silly, right? Because of mm-hmm. course you would do what you like to do. But I think it's more than that. It's 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 searching out those opportunities, saying yes to the things that you are actually passionate and interested in, and then saying mm-hmm. no to the ones that you're not, <laughs> right? And it's exactly yeah. what you're saying is why would we continue to do these monotonous tasks on an ongoing basis relying on the numbers game relying on the you know xyz versus leveraging those human relationships those those natural relationships that are available to us right well and and another way to think about it potentially is why would i do something that can be imitated by someone who isn't great at the craft mm. or technology true because because if you really like again that and that's why people won't won't give it to their kids right um and it's not to say that there can't be like look these things are hard and and there there is something worthwhile about getting good at uh actually saying the words that that need to be said to a client early in your career that's fine but it doesn't have to be in that context necessarily um and you know, when, when I'm speaking to young entrepreneurs or young people getting to consulting or whatever it is, a big part of my advice is, is the environment one in which you can learn voraciously from? You need to get an MBA every two to three years for the rest of your professional career, one on top of another on top of another. And the only way that that happens is through great people because mm-hmm. you run out of books to read. And, 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 it, and it compounds and it builds on itself. It's like compounding interest. So, you know, back to the mentor thing, right? If you find your six early enough in your career from a mentorship standpoint, the rest is basically taken care of. Um, because again, it, like compounding interest, human relationships compound and actually grow exponentially. Um, and they connect you. you know, the, what do you give the person um, who has everything in business? They don't need, they don't need the next, you know, fancy device or anything like that. What they need is wisdom. Right. You know, what you'll find is that the most influential people actually they trade at the level of wise counsel or wise ideas. Right? It's not information is ubiquitous. You can Google it. Right? Knowledge is just one step past that. Right? AI actually feigns fakes true knowledge, right? And so people can't even discern that. What they're looking for is someone to distill those things, information and knowledge, and give it to them in a way that they can't get it otherwise. That's what makes you disruption proof. So unless your career is going towards wisdom, right? And who's the greatest wisdom distributor? It's great minds, right? Then, then you know, again, if you're in the talent game looking for those great minds every single day, that's your that's your job, that's your business. You won't grow as fast. You don't grow as fast. You won't become as you won't become disruption proof. Mm. So, you know, it, it really is, and it just makes life and, and sort of the growth of our careers that much more fun to surround ourselves with these types of people, and actually ultimately to be this to other people as well. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's a uh, very good point too that if you are, you know, giving opportunities or so, and you mentioned this beforehand too, right? You have to come into the relationship or come into that dynamic with good intentions, with the intentions of wanting to provide value. Yeah. Authenticity. 
But that being said, by you being willing to share value and to share connections or to share these different pieces, by default, those people around you will want to share those things with you as well. Yeah. And and people sniff out inauthenticity so easily. Right. And so that's why you have to take these, these are almost sacred sort of gems, you know, these, these relationships. People realize when you don't actually dignify them with that. Mm -hmm. um, they, and, and really busy people, really influential people don't have time for anything that's non-authentic. Um, and so, you know, I, I, you, but frankly, I've gotten, I, I've had the opportunity to sit down with amazing people and, and it's just by, by asking, you know, frankly, asking for advice is one of the most authentic things you can do because it's inherently humble. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you have to ask for the right advice at the right time of your career. Like for me, it's harder for me to just say, I, I can't say, Hey, I'm just starting out. I, I'd love to know what made you successful. Right? right. But I can't say, Hey, I've got this new concept I've been working on to help my team grow. I'd love your advice on whether you think it has legs or not. Right. So-and-so tells me you, you, you'd probably be able to give me some insight. I'd love the opportunity to come meet you. I, I, I'll come to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what just happened there? You came to them with specificity. Specificity is very authentic. When you lack, when, when somebody goes, Hey, I'd love to pick your brain. You know, they're not being authentic right? because they're not being specific. And so they haven't given you the sort of, they haven't dignified you enough with thinking about why it is that they would want to meet with you. And that's the other thing I'll tell young, young people getting into a business. So, okay, you know, all these people make another column. What one question are you deeply interested in asking this person about? If you can't answer that, then the conversation is not going to flourish. Right. So curiosity is very essential to being authentic. I love that. Yeah. Being, being teachable. It's almost being childlike, being so mm -hmm. curious and just wanting to learn as much as you possibly can. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a great mindset for, you know, any individual, not just the particular six, but any individual that you're coming into contact with, there's always something new to learn from those conversations. Yeah. You just have to ask for it. <laughs> right. And it's always an honor when somebody asks for your advice. Like you've never yeah. had somebody go, "Hey, can can I have your advice?" Especially when it's specific, and you go, "I'm I'm completely offended that you would ask me for that." <laughs> like nobody says that, right? That's not um, because we're honored about that. Right. That's such a good point. Ah, Pat, I'm so excited about this conversation because um, I think that it really is. It's such a a principle based method for growing business and for even, you know, growing yourself personally to hitting those next levels. Um, but I think it's almost something that, or, or a method or strategy that has maybe gotten lost a bit in our digital world. Right. So it's, I'm, it's easy. I think, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. The, the quick fix is always out there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Tell us a little bit, um, and and thank you so much for sharing thank your you. insights and perspective on all these different pieces. But share with us a little bit more about the Find Your Six Challenge. What is that? 
Yeah. So I just, you know, as I have been coaching within my organizations, uh, I realized that, you know, people need a methodology and it needs to be spelled out in, you know, just a few pages. And so what I did is I, I offer that on my, on my website and it's a six week challenge that allows you to sort of chart your meetings with people, whether you think they're going to be the type of people that will be at the top of your pyramid, your, your influencer pyramid, if you will. Um, and, and, and a little bit of a challenge each week of, of your mindset on this stuff. Cause this is, it's really the adoption. It's as much an adoption of a mindset as it is a habit. Hmm. And so those two things come together in the find your six challenge, which you can download on my website. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. I'm excited to check that out. And Absolutely. of course, the book is available there for purchase as well. Um, Find Your Six, which I I love that too. I love that you wrote it in the method of giving someone a short enough time span to learn the things, the most important things they need to know about this method. So amazing. Thank you so much, Pat, for joining me today. I've I've absolutely loved this conversation and I am excited to check out the challenge. Hillary, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Marketing Mastermind Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, follow, rate our show, and share with your friends on social media. You can also join our community by visiting us online at marketingmastermindpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next episode.